Jesus asked a lot of questions. According to Martin Copenhaver in his book, Jesus the Questioner, Jesus is almost 40 times more likely to ask a question than give an answer. So on this episode of the Living Scent Podcast, we are asking questions, questions of ourselves, questions that interrogate motives, unearth assumptions, untangle our thoughts, and help us deal with frustrations or misconceptions. All this and more is coming up next. Welcome back to another episode of the Living Scent Podcast. I am your host, Justin Wester. I am so pumped to be with you this month. You know, this is episode 11, and it's going to be a little bit different from the others. You know, in general, most of the podcasts up to this point have had kind of an outward, others-focused bent to them, but today's episode is really all about you. We will be looking at what I call six all-stop questions to consistently ask yourself while you're living sent. And I'll explain why I call them all-stop questions in just a few moments. But I think these questions really can help you. They've helped me. You know, they're intended to recalibrate or reset each of us so that you and I are living sent in greater partnership with God and others this year. Well, if you're brand new to the podcast, I wanted to let you know that we release a new episode on the first Wednesday of each month, all with the goal of helping you live like an everyday missionary within your household, neighborhood, workplace, and city. And you know, I love hearing from you and I love learning how this content is impacting your life. So please just take a few moments, reach out to me, let me know what you're learning, let me know what questions you have about living scent, let me know what uh, topics you'd like to be covered on this podcast, or if you have even a prayer request, I'd love to write you back this week and get to know you, the listener, a little bit more. You know, one of the greatest gifts you can send my way is to do one of the four following things, either rate, review, subscribe, or share this content. Let me say those again, rate, review, subscribe, and share. If you have been consistently listening for some time and you haven't done one of those things, I would challenge you to do that today. Not only you know does it encourage me, but it also helps to expand the reach of this content to others. So consider doing one of those four today, rate, review, subscribe, and share, or if you are an all-star, go after all four. Do all four of them today. That would be absolutely amazing. As always, I like to remind our listeners that today's show notes are available for download right now. Just slide over to my website at justinwester.com. You can navigate to the podcast tab and download them for free. Feel free to print them out, share them with a friend, make copies, do whatever you'd like. It is a, a free resource that I produce for you each month to help you go deeper into this content. So I hope you make use of that today. So let's get into new content for today. Six all-stop questions to consistently ask yourself while you're living sent this year. Why do I call them all-stop questions? Well, that requires a quick little story. You know, while Lindsay and I lived in Lynchburg, Virginia, we had some very dear friends that took us under their wings, and they became spiritual mentors to us in many ways. Their names are Scott and Amanda, so shout out to Scott and Amanda if you are listening. Well, Scott was in the Coast Guard years ago and was a coxswain uh, of two different boats, and a coxswain drives the boat, and he almost directs the mission operations of the team. And he told me this story once about one of their tactics on the water. He said that if they were ever unsure 
about where they were, you know, where they were going, how close they were to shore, if they ever needed to just get their bearings, or if the crew was misaligned for any number of reasons, they would do what he called an all stop. During an all stop, they would literally shut the engines down and they would almost become, you know, like a sitting duck in the water until they could refocus, recalibrate, come together, get their bearings and rally the team. For them, it was better to bring everything to an all stop rather than, you know, just keep trudging along and end up crashing into something or worse. You know, oftentimes the impulse is just so strong to keep moving forward, but sometimes literally the best thing you can do is call for an all stop. And we often need the same thing in our lives. You know, we can get so caught up in doing the same thing day after day that we too can lose our focus, lose sight of what the mission was to begin with. Sometimes we literally need to call an all stop. And so that's what these next few questions are really designed to do for you. They are designed to stop you. They're designed to force you to slow down so that you can take a closer look at what is happening in your relationship with Jesus, in your relationship with other people, and in your relationship with the world. So my prayer has really been that you wouldn't just sit back and listen to this podcast and then say to yourself, well, you know, good questions. Thanks for that, Justin. No, my prayer has really been that these questions would annoy you, (laughs) that they would keep you up at night, that they would consume your thoughts so that they force you to do what I call an all stop as it relates to living scent. So here we go. Let's get to them. I've got six of them and I'll need to move pretty fast in order to keep this episode between 15 and 20 minutes. But again, jump over to the website, pick up the show notes and you will get all this content and more right over there. So here we go. Number one, am I seeking intimacy with God or activity for God? Let me say it again. Am I seeking intimacy with God or activity for God? You know, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, that his followers are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then when he was asked about the most important commandment in Matthew 22, he said it is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And in a culture that praises accomplishments and successes and consistent growth and results and more and more and more and the next thing and the next thing, it is easy to begin prioritizing activity for God over intimacy with God. One popular Bible teacher in his book called God is the Gospel wrote this, Christ did not die to forgive sinners who would go on treasuring anything above seeing and savoring God. And people who would be happy in heaven if Christ were not there will not be there. The gospel is not a way to get people to heaven. It is a way to get people to God. It is a way of overcoming every obstacle to everlasting joy in God. If we don't want God above all things, we have not been converted by the gospel. So what about you? What do you find yourself pursuing more? The stuff you do for God or God himself? What gives you a sense of worth? Is it the accomplishments you've done for him or who he says you are? 
apart from any of those things? Am I seeking intimacy with God or activity for God? That's question number one. Here's question number two. Am I serving others in my own power or in the Holy Spirit's? Am I serving others in my own power or in the Holy Spirit's? You know, Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit after he was raised from the dead and he had ascended to heaven. In John 14, Jesus said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And then later in Acts chapter 1, Jesus told his disciples, he said, you will receive power, power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jesus really didn't want them witnessing or being witnesses to the good news in their own strength and in their own power. And he doesn't want you to do so either. He didn't want them to derive their sense of confidence from their own ability or their own know-how. Instead, Jesus wanted them to be completely dependent upon the Spirit's power. And so if we hope to have any sort of missional effectiveness by living sent, we will do so through the power of the Holy Spirit. So instead of you working for God, it will be God working through you to accomplish His work in and around you. You know, trying to live sin apart from the Spirit will just leave you spinning your wheels as you attempt to, you know, gain traction in something that only God Himself can do. So am I serving others in my power or in the Holy Spirit's? That's question number two. Here's number three. Am I seeing others as people or projects? Am I seeing others as people or projects? No one likes to be treated like a project. Simply put, people like to be treated like people. You know, nobody likes to feel like you are working on them or trying to fix them. People want and really should be treated like people, people who are made in the image of God. And, you know, one of the things that I find so compelling about Jesus was that his mission really was to rescue and redeem those far from God. Yet, he was considered a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So in other words, if there was anyone who could say that they came to fix people, it was Jesus. But that is not how he was primarily known. He was considered by the lost to be their friend. That's how they saw him. And in Luke 15, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, This man, that is Jesus, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Tax collectors and sinners were hanging out with Jesus. They wanted to listen to Jesus. They wanted to be with Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is literally called a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Notice he's not called the tolerator of sinners. He's not called the helper of sinners, the project worker of sinners. It says, no, he is their friend. So how about you? How do you see others as people or as projects? Number four, am I staying present or becoming distracted when sharing meals? 
Am I staying present or becoming distracted when sharing meals? You know, I share a lot about meals in episode five of this podcast and how critical they are to living scent. But to be honest, this one is difficult for me. I find that I can be physically at a table with other people, but not always present. You know, I can look like I'm engaged in conversation, but my mind is somewhere else entirely. So two things to think through as we dive into this question. One, how involved is technology during your mealtime? And then how many conversations are you having during the meal? You know, if your phone is on the table next to your plate, or if your phone is in your lap and you're constantly checking text messages or your email while you're eating with other people, you are likely less present to those in front of you. And if you find that multiple conversations are happening during the meal, or if you realize, oh man, I've only been talking with this person right next to me the whole time, you are likely more distracted during those mealtimes as well. So try putting your phone away and try having one conversation during the meal and see if it changes anything. You know, Jesus was fully present and fully engaged during mealtimes. He leveraged those meals to develop and deepen relationships and to give people really a taste of the kingdom of God. Are you and I doing the same? Am I staying present or becoming distracted during shared meals? Number five, am I sharing my real life or my Pinterest perfect life with others? Am I sharing my real life or my Pinterest perfect life with others? And by Pinterest perfect, I mean to say that, you know, I only invite others over or I have people in my home when everything is just perfect. You know, if it's not just perfect, then I tend to excuse myself from opening my door to my neighbors. You know, this can be another hard one for me and my family as well. Our life is anything but perfect, and sometimes we feel like we are constantly straightening up, constantly cleaning up, organizing, putting things away, and life can be hard at times, and life with kids can seem to sometimes compound that. But if we never let people see our real life, then are we really sharing our real life with them? And, you know, I share this quote often, but it kind of revolutionized the way that my family and I approached hospitality. You know, there was this Anglican minister, and he, he once preached this message on what he called scruffy hospitality. And it went viral on the internet a few years back, and it was really helpful in showing us that biblical hospitality is not concerned with entertainment, but really with creating a space of welcome and a space of love. So here's one of my favorite quotes from him. He said, scruffy hospitality means you're not waiting for everything in your house to be in order before you host and serve friends in your home. Scruffy hospitality means you hunger more for good conversation and serving a simple meal of what you have, not what you don't have. Scruffy hospitality means you're more interested in quality conversation than the impression your home or lawn makes. If we only share meals with friends when we're excellent, we aren't truly sharing life together. Am I sharing my real life or my Pinterest perfect life with others. And last, here's number six. Am I speaking with saltiness or with blandness? Am I speaking with saltiness or with blandness? And I'll explain what I mean here. This idea comes from what the Apostle Paul writes in Colossians chapter four. He says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, 
making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And here's why this is so critical. Note the order of the verse. It does not say, you know, when you answer people, be sure to do it with grace. That is a great thing to do, but the scriptures don't say it like that. Instead, I'm going to paraphrase here. They say, let your speech be salty. Let it be interesting. Let it be colorful. Let it be curious. Why? So that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And that word answer implies that people will ask you questions about your faith. So talk in such a way that makes people curious about the gospel. Talk in such a way that makes people crave the things of God. That's what it means for your speech to be seasoned. You know, Jesus is anything but bland and boring, but do you sometimes find yourself speaking about him and the gospel in your life in a way that is just dull? If that's you, You know, listen to Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville. Go looking for your lost shaker of salt. Season things up. You know, that's not exactly what Jimmy Buffett was referring to, but you know what I'm saying. Am I speaking with saltiness or with blandness about Jesus, about the gospel, about our Lord? Well, there you have it. The six all-stop questions to ask yourself continually over and over and over while you are living sin. You know, my belief is that when we get alone with Jesus and we invite him to help us answer these questions, some surprisingly wonderful and sanctifying things will take place in your life. Take these questions seriously. Write them down on a note card. Carry them with you this week. Text yourself these questions. Put them on your desk at work. Allow them to stop you. And then go live sent. Remember, you don't have to live sent. You get to. We'll see you next time.